0: Welcome to Against the Law, the myth-busting ancient history podcast. We take a jab at historical misconceptions to uncover the truth about what really happened in the ancient world. If you should hear this noise, that's the Against the Law gavel smashing down on some naughty lies. In the shop today we have Xenia, poised and ready as ever to take a stab at some history facts about the ancient Romans, Meg who has a piercing gaze fixed upon the ancient Greeks. Barney, who's going to gauge our knowledge about the ancient Near East, and I'm hoping we don't leave us scarred for life, but we've got an appointment today with history presenter and comedian Izzy Lawrence. She's due to fill us in on some more ancient body mod factoids. I'm Flo, and unfortunately, I can't be here for today's episode. On the day this podcast is recorded, I'm actually getting a tattoo of the Against the Law logo in honour of today's episode. I asked the team where I should get it, they said anywhere, so I've decided to get it in Madrid. Are you surprised? I suppose nobody expects the Spanish ink acquisition. All joking aside, as you'll have guessed, today's episode is all about piercings and tattoos. So team, who in the ancient world had tattoos?
1: Barney, do you want to go first? It should you kind of chronological?
2: <laughs> Actually, I do have a fairly good place okay. to start. So there are some really interesting examples of tattoos going back uh, very far into human history, prehistory. I would say. Um, And this is not ancient Near Eastern, um, but his name did come up whilst I was uh, doing my research and perhaps listeners might have heard of the famous Ötzi the Iceman.
1: Oh my god, I was so hoping someone was going to bring up Ötzi the Iceman. I'm obsessed with him.
2: It's such a fascinating story and I found out the other day also that there's like a curse around the body as well. Yeah,
1: I was reading that, but apparently it's not statistically significant. Someone's checked.
2: Um, So, but... (laughs) Back to basics. Ertzi is a a natural mummy that was discovered uh, on the Austria-Italy border, I think, in the 1990s. Um, And he's this incredibly well-preserved man from thousands of years ago, like 3,300 BC, I think. Um, And he remarkably has, you know, being so well-preserved skin and on his skin is a number of tattoos. Um, And so when people are going back to the earliest examples of tattoos that we can look at in human history, like Ötzi is one where you can literally still see his skin, which is pretty awesome. Um, But yes, those were quite decorative, I think, on on old Ötzi. And um, I couldn't find much evidence of people having decorative tattoos within the ancient Near East. Um, Egypt, yes, a little, um, but not so much ancient Near East, where I think they were used as like branding and marks for people.
3: Mm. Yeah, similar in Greece. I've got a cool etymology about um, the idea of branding and marks. So, you know our word stigma? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's like a prejudice against it or it's a mark of shame. Mm-hmm. Well, that was actually the Latin for tattoo. And, and the Greek. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I, think, I think the Romans got it from the Greeks. We stole it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> <stole> my fact. <laughs> Ooh. Um <laughs> a word <is> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh the yeah that was that was tattoos and and they were a mark of shame on people because slaves, especially runaway slaves, would be tattooed sometimes even across their forehead, so that that mark was really public for everyone to see um and you also in late antiquity you get um soldiers being tattooed either on their hands or on their like forearm as a mark of sort of ownership or belonging to the army in the same way that for slaves it was a mark of um, ownership or of punishment Mm. Um, although you do get some fun stories um, especially in Roman comedy of lovers or adulterers um, being threatened with tattooing okay Either as like a mark of their love or as a a mark that they have done something wrong by committing adultery.
0: Mm.
2: So the mark of the love thing is that still exists now, right? People getting like yeah. Julian tattooed on their bum.
1: Julian? Hadrian?
2: Yeah. Yes, I think this is going to come up quite a lot today, actually. The kind of... Um, Body modification as either, yeah, marking, branding, or punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like there's a lot of overlap between Greece, Rome, and the ancient Near East. Um, I did find one person, I know I said that there wasn't much general decorative tattooing, um, but there's an interesting letter in the Neo Assyrian royal archives. So this was sent to a king. Uh, the person writing the letter uh, was asking for exorcists to be employed in the royal courts, and he was recommending that 20 of them are hired, and one of them, uh is is this sort of fugitive who's got tattoos all over his hands and his face um and what's interesting about the letter is that the person writing it says that this exorcist is highly competent despite the tattoos
1: oh wow so, That's you can so interesting. Tell
2: the attitude towards them is that you know yes it's a bit weird that he's got tattoos on his hands and his face um but he is a good exorcist <laughs> Um, which, like, it's, that felt uncannily similar to like modern job interviews. You know, people always yeah. say, that, don't get a face tap because you all struggle to get jobs. Um,
1: yeah. That's so interesting. I think if I was looking for an exorcist specifically, I would be like, I think they're probably a good exorcist if they have face touches, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> it seems kind of on brand. <laughs> um,
2: and his name, if we're interested, was Akraya. Very nice. The tattooed exorcist. <laughs> what a
1: legend. Yeah, it's really similar in Greece, I think. This sort of, um, yeah, permanent body modification is sort of a bit a bit taboo in general. So tattoos were often used, like Zenny was saying, for runaway slaves or war captives. So if you got captured in war, um, you might be sort of branded with the mark of the people who captured you. Um, so, like, the Athenians apparently used to tattoo owls on people's hands as, a, you know, the symbol of Athena, um, symbol of Athens, which is quite cool. I mean, I think an owl would be a nice tattoo, actually. I would go for that, but not if you've been captured in war.
3: Maybe instead of our um, favourite things, we should ask each other, if we had a tattoo, what would it be and where? Ooh. Oh, that's a great idea. I've already got my answer. <laughs> Do either of you actually have <laughs> any
2: tattoos? Uh, no, no, I don't. No,
3: I don't I either. neither. Guys, no.
2: Does, does Flow?
3: think so.
2: I mean, obviously she's getting her full practice.
3: <laughs> <on now>. Yeah. <laughs> what will it be? But other than
2: that. <laughs> she's getting
1: the against the law logo.
2: <laughs> oh my god. And it's all you know how the the logo's white on a blue background? Yeah. She's getting it that way around as well. <laughs> oh. it's
3: a Maybe she could use woad for the blue background. that's another thing I came across with the ancient Britons. So um most of the time it's especially Caesar's uh diary or sort of account of his campaign against the Britons he talks about them being covered in woad the blue dye Um, but there are other sources as well that talk about the Britons being um, tattooed with animals so again these kind of decorative tattoos which were very much associated with um, yeah people who weren't Greek or Roman who were um, what they called barbarian Um, so yeah they may have had either as well as the word, or i wonder if it could have been the animal patterns in the blue word. Mm. it's all quite unclear so it's not clear if they're actually tattoos
1: yeah there's a lot of confusion in translation i think because of the word branding um like sti- the greek word verb uh stizor means like eye tattoo or mark or sort of pu- you can use it uh, to mean punctuate like in a sentence it just means kind of you know poke in some way um but i think it's often there's often confusion about whether the things that Mm. they're talking about are actually tattoos or if they're sort of like branding with you know like a hot iron or some other kind of yeah mark on the body it's not quite clear if it's like what we would call a
3: modern tattoo interesting this makes me so grateful that tattooing technology has come further than just like sticking something sharp into your skin and then (laughs) <laughs> popping some ink on top and hoping <laughs> no infections happened <laughs> they used charcoal as well oh. didn't they
1: like like rubbing charcoal into sort of cuts was a form of sort of tattooing yeah uh. oh,
2: gosh i mean it's quite it's quite a violent act even you know even zen are describing modern tattooing there like you know it does involve puncturing the skin <laughs> Um, so I guess I can see why it was used on sort of war captives and enslaved people. And that permanent mark, permanently marking someone else's body yeah, is quite a powerful message. I, I find it really interesting that um, it's also like it's a highly international thing as well. If you think about the movement of people in the ancient world, um, especially with the, the larger empires of the ancient Near East, where people were being moved from, you know, could be Iran to uh, Egypt, Not, you know, or like the whole way through. You know, these, some of these empires were stretching that distance and so people could have tattoos from all over the place um and there's a letter another letter um mentioning that an enslaved person uh, in xerxes era um called taha had egyptian writing on her wrist
1: oh that's cool
2: um and so yes they don't know necessarily what it says um but they know that this person's been branded in the past mm. and then similarly a papyrus um from elephantine an, an island in the Nile in egypt um mentions that an enslaved person there had barbarian tongue on their on their hand or on their arm i think so yeah they're just like everyone's getting these tattooed persons coming to them and they so they know that yes they've been enslaved somewhere hmm. or they've run away somewhere uh, even if they don't necessarily know what it means
3: is there an example of someone deliberately getting a different language tattooed onto them
1: oh like yeah people who get really bad greek tattoos or like
3: yeah. <laughs> or like chinese characters <laughs> yeah <laughs> you mean like fish soup, soup yeah
2: <laughs> i knew someone once who got um the chinese characters for diarrhea tattooed <gasps> on.
1: Oh, no. Oh, oh no oh no <laughs> Um, I have a Xerxes tattooing story, if you'd like it. Um, This is probably not true, but Herodotus says that uh, Xerxes tried to tattoo the Hellespont. And yeah, this is the whole thing where he built a bridge over the Hellespont during the Persian invasion of Greece in um, 480 BC. But um, a storm destroyed uh, the bridge and Xerxes was so angry that he... Um, whipped the sea and tried to tattoo it. And it's unclear how he tried to tattoo the sea. But I kind of admire his uh, ambition.
2: Do you think in that case there, it's that ambiguity of of the verb? I think... branding the sea?
1: Branding the sea. I mean, possibly, but the whole story doesn't really make sense because whipping the sea. He also apparently threw fetters in as if he wanted to lock the sea up, which obviously doesn't make sense either. So I think it's it's sort of symbolically, you know... uh, even if it, obviously you can't tattoo the sea so, but it could be as a sort of brand in a different sense but then they did also um, the Xerxes army did tattoo the Greek uh, Greek soldiers who were taken captive at Thermopylae um, and that we do we think that is tattooing mm-hmm. so there's a kind of interesting like symbolic parallel there like wanted to tattoo the sea because he was so angry but then actually tattooed the um, war captives
2: do I remember something from your from a previous episode Meg um, about inanimate objects being tried
1: yeah bread breadcourt <laughs> bread
2: um is that is that vaguely similar to the the mm. sea being treated as a sort of a
1: yeah quite possibly and i mean the the, the bread court, um the piece of bread that was tried for murder i think that's kind of all about that the idea of like miasma and the kind of pollution of murder and someone needing to take the blame so i absolutely think that's similar like xerxes couldn't you know wasn't yet engaged in battle and was just really angry at everything um so, you know, took his anger out on the sea. Or we'll sea. Hmm. Didn't deserve it.
2: You said feta and my mind went straight to cheese.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he threw feta into the sea. <laughs> I'll teach you. What a <laughs> salty. <laughs>
2: yeah, not salty enough.
1: <laughs> also, that's funny because it's so He's like, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I hate this Greek cheese. <laughs> That'd be really um, funny. <laughs> so when I was looking into this topic, I kept finding various different. They were usually magazine articles, so a like massively reliable, saying that Romans had their nipples pierced as a sign of virility, especially men. And there were several things that said, "Oh yes, of course, Julius Caesar had his nipples pierced." And I was oh. like, I have never, ever come across that in any ancient source. So I think this is a massive against the law. I have no idea how this rumour started. But, um, yeah, I have no ancient evidence of Romans piercing their nipples.
1: I would say, because I mean, I think the Greeks and Romans were sort of, you know, on roughly the same page with this. It's almost the opposite, isn't it? Like, jewellery mm. is associated with kind of effeminate men mm-hmm. and also the East in in Greece. Um, yeah. So it's almost the opposite of kind of, <laughs> hello, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> emphasizing. I, mean, I guess emphasizing... most
3: women wore, wore earrings in mm. ancient Rome. That's pretty clear. Um, in terms of jewellery for men, yeah, it doesn't tend to be like bracelets or earrings or bangles, but they they do have a lot of gold crowns, mm-hmm. like really, really beautiful, like gold leaves and flowers. And you get those on in men's graves as well as women's.
1: Yeah, yeah, similar in Greece, lots of gold in general. But I think this is the key thing um, that they they really thought that, especially male bodies in Greece, were kind of beautiful and perfect and shouldn't be permanently modified in any way. So, like, piercings are kind of, um, you know, yeah, women did wear earrings, but men, not really. Um, and they weren't really keen on piercings because of their sort of permanent disfigurement of the body, um, whereas, like, any kind of jewellery that you can just have, you know, on you, like, more like clothes, was a lot more popular yeah and uh, yeah i think that links into the stuff about tattooing as well that that's seen as a punishment it's seen as something kind of foreign
3: or yeah do you get some religious cult tattoos i think in uh, roman culture but again they're sort of associated with a bit other a bit mm. eastern um a bit of a mm. i guess it's like any other kind of practice that shows your devotion and marks you out as different
1: yeah the um thracians thracians had tattoos uh, according to the greeks So Thracians are like the people from um, Mm. sort of now like northern Greece, uh, Bulgaria, that kind of area. Um, And they had quite fun tattoos, like uh, sort of chevrons and stripes, um, but also little animals. There's some really nice uh, vase paintings where you get um, Thracian women with deers, like little stags on their shoulders, which I think are really cute. And that's for fun. Those are good, you know, sort of decorative tattoos. And Herodotus again who you know, I think we have to take a lot of what Herodotus says with a pitch of salt, but um he says that if you're a Thracian, like having a tattoo is a sign of sort of high noble birth, whereas the lack of a tattoo um would signal you as being from a lower class, which is very much the opposite in Greece. You think that's also kind of why he says it, it's because they make them out as opposite. Yeah. Yeah, he's saying, you know, those those weird Thracians up north, you know.
2: I was thinking about how different um, forms of, you know, historical object help or hinder learning about tattoos and piercings in the ancient world, because you know, like Meg, you've mentioned Herodotus, so that means we've got textual evidence, um, and then there's artistic representations of these things as well, and archaeology. Because I was thinking, like with pierced, with piercings, at least, you know, if your ear has rotted away, um, as humans tend to do when they die, unless they're incredibly well mummified or frozen, um, how would you ever know, you know, that there were, there was a piercing on the body necessarily from from archaeology. Um, Because I was thinking like we take earrings for granted, right? But I saw one person had suggested that, yes, Queen Pu'abi of Ur, one of the early Sumerian queens who has this amazing uh, golden burial jewellery with a headdress. I think I've talked about it before, actually. She had earrings, uh, but they didn't assume in the description of the object that her ears were necessarily pierced. Like they could have been hung off the headdress as well.
1: Mm, Interesting. Yeah.
2: Um, Really makes you like reevaluate the things that you assume you know Oh, you see earring you think it must go through the ear but it doesn't necessarily have to
1: they had some really ornate ones um in greece like sort of such fancy gold jewelry like there's these really cool ones from about 300 bc um which is like a pair of gold earrings and it's um a sort of like a tiny sculpture of a guy called um ganymede who was a trojan prince uh being like picked up and taken away by zeus in the form of an eagle so it's just like this sort of hanging figure um, with this eagle carrying, it. and obviously it's cool because they sort of hang from the ears. So it's all it's sort of in you know he's flying on your ears, which I think is cool.
2: That sounds great.
1: Mm. They're beautiful. We can tweet a picture.
2: Um, I another good a good little example. Um, it's non non archaeological in the human remains sense, but is archaeological in the sense that it's a clay figurine. Are these um, I- Iranian? figures from around 2400 BC that have piercing holes in the ears Mm. um so the little clay person has the hole to hang earrings off the off of the figurine
4: oh wow I love that yeah so
2: that you assume that they were decorating the object um and that also that that reflected reality in some sense um and yeah and some of these have like four piercings all the way down both ears so you could put you could really um deck them out
1: <laughs> that's fun it's like one of those little models you get you know that you can practice like hairdressing or jewelry yeah <laughs> like ancient barbie yeah yeah hanging all the different jewelry that's so cool
2: i was thinking also about what you were saying meg about this being a very eastern thing um you mm. know these these kind of embellishments um and yeah i think they i think they i think they loved it um i think i've talked about these before as well these um neo-syrian palace reliefs with these abkalu sages they're sort of these winged genies they have four wings and they've got clearly pierced ears i think um with big decorative earrings hanging off them but then i mean these are mythological creatures but still uh, they have the the well-oiled beard of a mesopotamian man so again Mm. you might be able to assume that yeah earrings might have been worn by elite men Mm.
1: yeah xenophon says that pierced ears are a sort of um an eastern thing and sometimes you get uh like paintings or whatever of greek men um at a symposium like a dinner party dressed up as foreigners and then sometimes they'll have pierced ears um in kind of it's like fancy dress
2: <laughs> when i was little i used to think it was the coolest thing those like clip-on earrings
1: yeah do you remember mm-hmm. we talked about um the temples of Asclepius in our mm-hmm. hospitals episode in the at Epidaurus, there's like uh, actual kind of evidence of the types of healing that happened there's records um which we've mentioned before but there's one where a guy comes to get a tattoo removed Ooh. um like tattoo fixes on channel
3: 4 oh my goodness. i think that's the material <laughs> for another <laughs> sketch
1: ancient tattoo fix oh my god that would be so good it'd be like oh like yeah like a hospital yes. drama but set in the temple of <gasps> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that would be incredible i'm gonna spend hours <laughs> thinking of a good punny title for that um <laughs> anyway the story is it's not clear what the tattoo is of, I don't think, but maybe he was um like a captive in war who later escaped or something but yeah i don't, I don't think it's clear um, but yeah it's a guy called Pandarus who goes to the to, uh, the escapion to try and have a tattoo removed and I think we, when I talked about this before it was that thing of um you go in and you kind of go into a dream state uh possibly fueled by um opium and then have a dream of escapius healing you and the kind of what well, we've uh sort of worked out probably what was actually happening is that then sort of surgeons almost would would do whatever you need doing uh this guy pandarus goes to the temple of Asclepius he says i want to get my tattoo removed um, and he goes to sleep and he dreams of escapius the god of medicine wrapping a bandage around his head um and the tattoo transfers from his skin to the bandage and when he wakes up the tattoo is gone <laughs> Um, And there's a wild twist to this story, which is that Pandarus is so happy with the service he received at the Temple of Escapius that he asks, uh, he wants to make a dedication to Escapius. And that was kind of, I don't think we talked about this before, that's sort of how you pay for healthcare in the ancient world. You make a donation or a sort of um, dedication to the sanctuary, uh, to Escapius the god. So he asks a guy, a different guy, to go and make this dedication for him, gives him the money. But this other guy steals the money, takes it away, doesn't doesn't give it to the temple. Um, And then as sort of punishment for the fact that he's stolen the money, the tattoo that Pandarus got removed appears on the head of this other guy. How mad is that? That's crazy.
4: Hi, guys. It's Izzy Lawrence here from the British Museum. I uh, did a podcast about the Scythians, so I thought I would tell you all about the Scythians. And when I say I know all about it, I'm their podcaster. I'm not an expert. But here is what I know about the Scythians. Well, I work for the British Museum a little bit. I do their British Museum member cast. And so back in the day, um, there's a, a guy called Sinjin, who is into the sort of Central European landmass, which is sort of, you know, East Ukraine, bit of Persia, you know, not quite China, not quite India, but that sort of massive sort of block of land, which is, you know, modern day Russia, Iran, you know, um, sort of area of land. and. Very rare, um, the museum has touring um, exhibitions on and one one time they had a big touring exhibition and it was put on, it wasn't touring other things, it was just a limited time exhibition at the museum and it was the Scythians and every single person went the what, (laughs) who, the where, and it was it was one of these sort of like amazing sort of things going, there's an entire people we don't really know about. And it turns out the British Museum has lots of, you know, obviously in their collections, they've got absolutely everything, but they do have like all of these amazing different um, objects that are found by them. because so basically, if you imagine the Mongols, right? If you know your Genghis Khans and you that sort of thing, think earlier so um most i think i think it's one of the earliest um evidence we have about it is obviously herodotus a very reliable source um but all, (laughs) all that we um all that we know really is that herodotus never saw them naked because Uh, I'll explain why because they were a nomadic people so they had they moved around the place they raided lots of places they raided like the Akkadians the old Persians the ancient Greeks they're basically you know if you're an Armenian you worry about the Scythians because they just come in on their horses and they scarper away without you having any chance of getting your stuff back Uh, and they were pretty brutal as well to anybody who wasn't a Scythian. So Herodotus met them, didn't see them naked, and we know he didn't see them naked because he didn't mention their tattoos, right? And we know they had tattoos, partly because we've actually got human remains and we've actually got the tattoos. Preserved and they are amazing. They're basically under the t shirt tattoos, so they'd have been able to get a job at Starbucks quite easily (laughs) because all of their, all of their, like corporate jobs, no problem because all of their, um, you know, tattoos, they're entirely all over their body and they're animals and they're intricate patterns and they're entirely where the clothing would normally cover. And this is why we know Herodotus never saw them naked because he doesn't mention them at all as having tattooed and they were heavily tattooed. And part of the reason they reckon why they're heavily tattooed. It's because of their religious culture. Um, They were, I think it's animists. I'm writing, thinking that's the right word. I think it probably is. I sound clever saying it anyway. But they believed in, you know, nature, the spirits of nature. They believed in animals, etc. That was their religion. They didn't have like a god. Um, one god they weren't monotheists and they didn't really have a pantheon of gods they just had this sort of magic animalistic um, religion and what they used to do to sort of get into contact with that was they get into their tents and they have beautiful you know different types obviously depending on what age we're talking but they had these wonderful tents where they would basically hot box themselves with loads of marijuana just <laughs> shut off all the vents get as high as they possibly could, light a small fire where they'd be burning the marijuana, and then they'd take off their clothes, and the patterns on their bodies, they'd obviously dance and move, and the animals would come to life in that way. And so you have this really sort of weird, ritualist, religious, you know, part of being a Scythian, which is sort of getting (laughs) naked and high and riding about (laughs) and getting one with nature, which I absolutely adore. I love that.
1: They're so funny. They also had really cool trousers, or at least the Greeks thought they did. (laughs)
4: Well, well, this is the thing, you know. This is, uh, it's very hard to tell what the Greeks find cool is actually cool. You've got <laughs> yeah. to take it with a pinch of salt there. I said exactly that earlier. I was like, we have to take Herodotus with a pinch of salt. Yeah, I
2: was going to say, it's illegal to mention Herodotus without saying pinch of salt, right?
4: <laughs> I mean the trouble, I I used to do a a radio show with um Tom Holland and it was a case of if you mention that Tom Ho- and that um Herodotus or indeed Tom Holland should be taken with a pinch of salt Tom Holland gets quite quite he's like actually no he's very reliable for these he'll t- give you all of the he's a massive defender of Herodotus is Tom so you know the Scythians are really interesting and really cool. And because they didn't have a written, you know, uh, culture at all, they, they weren't literate in the sense that they didn't write anything down. It's it's one of those almost forgotten cultures as well. And it's such a huge landmass they cover. I mean, it's the entire Eurasian steppe. It's, And they're really, I think they're big, if I can remember correctly. It's sort of 7th century BCE. So it's that sort of, you know time when they were really you know causing the most they were the Mm -hmm. largest they had similar cultures and that sort of thing and so their tattoo artists must be very busy
3: so usually at the end of each podcast episode um we do favorite things so we each go around and we say what our favorite thing was but instead we'll do if you had a tattoo what would it be and where
4: I think if I had a tattoo, it'd have to be a Scythian tattoo. So it would be some sort of wolf or leopard just in covering the entirety of my body with maybe some birds coming up the side. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm, a, I'm not a big fan of needles. And also, you know, it's very rare that I hotbox myself in a tent and dance around to firelight. <laughs> if I did, that would be the tattoo I would like. <laughs> For legal reasons, I don't do that. <laughs>
3: Barney
2: what tattoo would you get um, I think probably something quite small but um, and this is not just for the podcast I did always used to consider when I was at university if I did want to get a tattoo that I'd probably get a small cuneiform sign um, and I used to get the dingir, uh, which is the divine determinative mm. the, for the name of a god which is obviously very arrogant from me um, but <laughs> I've climbed down from those lofty heights of you know self-interest um, and I think I'd now get the determinative for like fish <laughs> maybe
1: what a journey you've been on there (laughs) Barney.
2: I'm a (laughs) god God I'm a shit (laughs) I'm a type of metal why I just like the idea of having you know if a determinative means that you read a word in a certain way then if I get the determinative on me I must be that Mm. thing
1: yeah yeah okay I love it Uh,
2: but yes the tattoo would be on my um, on my breast breasticle is that what you call (laughs) on my chest (laughs)
4: I mean most most men would say chess yeah. or indeed pecs. <laughs> You're not gonna assume
3: <laughs> the presence of pecs.
2: <laughs> there we go. What about you, Xenia? Uh
3: just before I say what I would get, I just wanna um do a little shout out and say that if you become our Patreon supporter, you can get Barney to write your name in cuneiform with any kind of determinative you want. <laughs> If you pay £50, Barney will
1: tattoo it on your body. <laughs>
2: <laughs> on my body or on theirs? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whatever they choose. £100 in on Barney's body.
2: <laughs> my skin is yours.
3: <laughs> Barney, it's worth it for the podcast. <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I would, if I had a tattoo, um, I'm obsessed with snake-shaped things because the Romans had really, really cool snake-shaped jewellery. Um, so I would get a like a very thin snake so quite subtle so only if you look at it quite carefully can you tell it's a snake um and I would get that round my arm as though it were an arm bracelet that's lovely
4: Would not that look a bit wormy
3: <laughs> well the idea is that it's like a line it mm. goes round with a little tail at the bottom and then with a little snake head at the top I don't think that will be wormy. like quite thin understated also there's nothing wrong with worms
4: no, but do you want them wrapped around your arms? <laughs> that is... Mm, yeah, maybe not. I get showing off your metal and your bling, but you're just getting a tattoo of some, you know. And also, as you get older, that is going to sag, and then you've got a sagging snake of, like, flolloping around your arm. It's left...
3: <laughs> oh, well, it'll, it'll it's stay in fantasy land then. <laughs> <laughs> I do currently have snake-shaped earrings and a snake-shaped ring to keep me, keep me going. And how about you, Meg? Um, so I would get a little tiny
1: octopus, um, and I don't know where I'd get it. I would. I've always. I, I once saw someone with a tattoo like behind their ear, sort of, you know, on the bit of skin, like just at the back of your neck, kind of almost covered by your ear. But apparently, that would be incredibly painful. But um, I thought that was cool. But I would get the octopus because I love the Minoan octopus vases. And also because me and Alison did a part of Alison. She's not dead. She just left the podcast. Um, we once came up with a theory on our masters about the octopus as a symbol for classical reception.
4: Nice. Behind your ear, though, that is really saying that it is for other people, isn't it?
1: Mm, I know. I know. That's the thing.
4: No, because it isn't a tattoo about, like, I'm actualising myself, this is my self-expression, and then it's all for somebody mm. else if it's behind your ear. And also, behind your ear for someone else who's behind you in a queue. That's the only time people are going to see it in the post yeah. office. Really.
1: But I think it would be cool. I think it would be cool and mysterious.
4: <laughs> ha ha, I'm ahead of you. What you should have behind your ear, just so that they know yeah, yeah. that you're gloating, <laughs> one step ahead. <laughs> Then, of course, there is a sort of mass execution guillotine style, in which case they'll be laughing at you, so.
3: And on that note.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Now I've just threatened everybody here with public execution.
0: (laughs) Guys, I'm back. What do you think of my new ink? Meg, leave the cling film on it, it's there to protect it. It should heal in time for the next episode, so I'll be seeing you then. Catch you next time for Against the Law.